I can't call him sick on Mondays when the weekend's been too strong. I just work straight through the holidays, sometimes all night long. You can bet that I stand ready when the wolf growls. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of With Zero Authority. I'm Corey. And I'm Will. And uh, yeah, it's a Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. An odd day for us to record. Yeah. Usually, usually yeah, like Friday or Monday. It, or... it feels like it should be the end of the week. It very much isn't. Like is, we're just at, yeah. the, we're at that center point of the week. A terrible timing if we were a news outlet to record and publish shit on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, yeah. still 48 hours for crazy stuff to happen. Yeah. But yeah. thank God. Thank God for not them. We'll, we'll, we'll get our fill of like missing Friday stories. <laughs> like, oh, crud, we should have done a That's okay. A I, don't, I don't think anyone in our audience will uh, miss out on that information. Yeah, I'm pretty no. sure they have other uh, news sources. Your, your Apple News uh, notification will probably suffice. Apple News. We, we probably know less than like the 40 character headlines. <laughs> but enough about that. So let's jump it's into been it. It's kind of a weird week because yeah. there hasn't been like. A story that's dominated the news. I mean, it's been a plethora of things, right? The continued disaster in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, whether or not Rex Tillerson called Trump a moron or a fucking moron. Probably um, the latter. Probably the latter. If it was one of those two. No, no one Rex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rex. And the, the uh, pissing match between yeah. essentially moderate senators... And the White House, so yep. particularly Senator Bob Corker. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this. You want to um, start with Corker? Yeah, we'll start right. with Corker. Mr. Um, Corker. A moderate uh, senator from Tennessee. Beautiful, beautiful state. I yeah. love Tennessee, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been through a couple uh, times. Yeah. So he essentially gave kind of a tell-all interview to the New York Times after Trump had called him out. What was his... specifically the thing that Trump called Corker out about? Uh, it was tax reform and health care um, and just the complete lack of decorum that he had, the way that he treated John McCain. It, it, it seemed like this was going to be uh, the way this was going to play out. But, but Trump was calling Corker out on impeding repeal of the ACA? Yeah, and he was or... also calling him out for a New York Times interview that, that Corker gave because Corker, oh, okay. remember, is not running again. Right, so right. He, literally has nothing to lose. Right, right. He can be so, a little more honest. Yeah, so he was honest to the New York Times. Okay. Um, then So he puts Trump, Trump on blast. Yeah, and Trump got into a, a, a spat with him to which Bob Corker responded, it's a shame that the White House has turned into an elderly oh, that's daycare right. facility. That's not... Yeah. So why is this bad? Um, it's weird to see a complete lack of cohesion between the president and his own party. Uh, yeah. And again, this is just another example of that. And the reason why I think the Bob Corker story is unique is because it's different when it's like Luther Strange getting picked off in a primary or like these tiny little um, or like Eric Cantor losing his seat. Right. Um, right. This is th periphery. This style. is like this is the beginning of the battle between Trump and his own party. Well, feels to me like this battle's been going on for yeah, quite a while. Yeah, the battle lines have been but drawn. But now, I think because of the lack of progress uh, in terms of health care. Uh, and right, right. even though it seems like tax reform's going to go through. God, whatever. I really, I really hope not. But We, we can dig our teeth into that later yeah. in this segment. But um, there's just the lack of success on the Senate side of things. Like we had 
two days ago, Mitch McConnell came out uh, with President Trump to essentially address the press and say, hey, we're buddies. Yeah. Uh, and then, again, Trump says, like, oh, I won't take the blame for anything. It's, it's the Senate's right, fault. Right, right, right. So, like, the Republican Party has run... Republican candidates have successfully run against their own party, their own institution, their own apparatus, and won. The problem is then once you win, you are a part of that apparatus. So right. it's very easy for other candidates, prospective candidates, to say, hey, I can just use that same tactic against the incumbent. So it's really hard for a lot of these people to actually govern because they're terrified of doing it. Because if they fail, then they're just exactly what they ran against. But we know Trump isn't terrified of governing. Um, he just doesn't do it. I mean, he's not he terrified. tries to do he's it in the way he can. He's not terrified of anything. Like, you, you, yeah. you've seen that with this week, uh, the president defunding uh, these exchanges, uh, essentially just shooting Obamacare in the kneecaps. I mean, yeah. he, he knows that Congress won't dismantle it because it's so broadly unpopular that he'll do it. Yeah. And the thing is, any negative consequences that... Uh, arise from this action, he can just brush off to Congress. Essentially, the Bob Corker v. Trump is just another symptom of this problem that where Republicans keep thinking that Trump is a Republican. And Republicans keep thinking that a lot of the people in their caucus are Republicans. Is it that, though, or is it more that it looks like more and more Republicans are realizing that Trump is not a Republican and Trump is not a part of the party? I think anybody that had, like, a quarter of a brain in the Republican Party knew that Trump wasn't a Republican. Yeah, but the the message early on was that we can work together. Yeah. We can make this happen. Yeah, and, and I think, but passed. the thing is, I think they make that same mistake over and over again. So I guess you're right, because remember, uh, the response to Roy Moore was like, hey, well, um, I've heard he's for tax reform, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Roy Moore is not for anything. Roy Moore is for <laughs> Islamophobia. I mean, that's yeah. it. That's his yeah. entire candidacy. So at a practical level, we have already seen, to my pleasure at least, and I think many uh, non-Republicans' pleasure, the fact that this Republican-controlled government can't get much of anything passed. Yeah, except Can't get anything through legislation. They're going to get so. tax reform done, it seems like. Well, so then that's my question. Um is that guaranteed now that we're seeing whether it's Corker or someone else push back more publicly against yeah. this president? Is, are there guarantees that tax reform goes through? Are there yes. guarantees that other legislation? Because remember, through? Corker wants it more than Trump does. McCain wants it more than Trump does. Yeah, I think traditional the Republican traditional establishment Republicans been pushing are, this for decades. Are hamstrung to get this done because their base of donors has been expecting this for a it's while. The, it's their number one priority. Yeah. Yeah. It's their only priority because they will not be able to win re-election without getting it done. So let's say tax reform does go through. What are the prospects? Like what's still on the table for legislation that has to happen uh, for the Republicans well, that they the, could the, possibly the get budget's across? Gonna, Trump's budget is going to go through. So that, I mean, the only reason I, have a, I believe the tax reform will, be, oh, will get done is because Trump's budget seems like it'll go through. Okay. Which is, I mean, again, just proof of the complete lack of respect that this Congress had towards, um, well, the past Congress, essentially still this Congress, had uh, towards Obama, is that they didn't even put Obama's proposals in the docket, and they just immediately address whatever Trump throws their way now. Um, they didn't even address whatever uh, the president prior to Trump proposed. 
So, so help me understand why that's odd. I wouldn't be surprised oh, so, that. Yeah, no, that's totally that's totally unacceptable. Even if it's of another party, like the best example would be uh, Tip O'Neill and Reagan. So like Tip O'Neill, uh, Speaker of the House for a significant okay. part of uh, Reagan's tenure yeah. as president, um, was would always put the president's. Uh, agenda and proposals at the front of this of the house's docket of what was going to committee things they, they consider to that yeah. was just okay. standard procedure what they'd look at right the first thing you always look at is any proposal that the president has regardless of party um the this the new gingrich ended that sure, sure so are you are you going back in time and talking about a point where republicans in congress didn't put obama's stuff yeah, they Before? didn't. His entire presidency, they never even addressed. Oh, okay, okay. I, sorry, I thought you were referencing something that's happening now. No. with this president. Yeah, no. Now, now they're actually addressing Trump's stuff, which you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. whether it were Trump or anyone else. That's kind of like you just described the expected behavior of of absolutely partisan, yeah, uh, animals. So. <laughs> Creatures. So, um, so it's going to make the docket, right? These things that yeah, Republicans want to get done. It'll make the docket. Uh, we're a- feeling like tax will reform. Make the docket. It's just whether or not it, it's it's voted up or down. Like all of yeah. Trump's proposals have actually made it to to committee. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm trying to get to a specific place where we're talking about like specific things that we can look toward. In the next, like, yeah. I don't know, three, six, nine months for legislation that the Republicans are going to try to get through, because this is the legislation that's going to affect us broadly, yeah, yeah like as a country. So tax, tax reform. reform. What else beyond tax reform? Because it seems like bringing this back to like the start of this conversation, right? There's a ton of discontent in the Republican Party, which has surfaced as their inability to get anything done. Tax reform looks like it's going to go through just because so much money's been put behind getting it through. Yeah. No tax. What reform, else is there? Tax reform will go through because it's not a Trump thing. Right, right. Um, That's a donor thing. So that'll that'll get through. It's just whether or not anything else Trump proposes will get through, and I don't think anything else will. So from that angle, anything originating from the administration is going to have a hard road ahead of it to get passed. Yeah. Because is there anything coming from the other direction to Trump? Oh, he'll sign any party. Republican thing. But other than other than uh, tax reform, they're just not capable of getting anything done. What are the Republicans going to? Republicans going to put forward after tax reform. They could try to do health care again, but they've failed three times. So health care off the table, do you think they're incredibly cautious just because how unpopular what they yeah. tried to put through so it, far? It was been? like, it, it, was a, it was a nightmare. I mean, Republicans were not used to that kind of uh, civic activism from their own constituency. Uh, Democrats are quite used to it because... Democrats love shitting on other Democrats. Right. But Republicans are not used <laughs> to that. Generally unified, yeah. Yeah. So uh, no, they won't they won't touch it. They okay. can't. And the problem is they're doing tax reform without actually touching health care. You can't do that. Right, right. The, this this is exactly what happened under Reagan that ballooned the deficit and ballooned the debt. And this is exactly what happened under Bush that ballooned the deficit and ballooned the debt. Yeah, it's already ballooned now. We've, we've tried this problem. over and over again. I'm still waiting for the Reagan era tax cuts to trickle down. <laughs> right. Like I, <laughs> it's on the calendar. You didn't say <laughs> it, it comes in two months. It's yeah, twenty twenty eight. It all it all just drips down onto me. Yeah, I know that's been uh, shot right in the forehead. 
Yeah. Damn, trickle down economics actually. The materializing. Laffer. Hey, you don't, you're not a proponent of the Laffer curve. <laughs> uh, I like some curves, not the Laffer curve. <laughs> Sorry, not my thing. Okay, so um, sadly, that's yeah, painting a picture of three years of more of what we've come to grow and hate about Washington, yeah. and that's nothing gets done, nothing of substance. Um, we'll keep our fingers crossed that something comes up to change all that. Yeah. But seeing this continual division among the party that's got majority control of the House, Senate. It's just quite the, funny. Uh, White House. To, to say that, because uh, it's going to be the same argument that, remember how uh, um, Republicans used to say, well, Obama had the House and Senate for two years. And what did he get done? Health care. Yeah, a lot. Like, like health care. <laughs> like he... he Whether he, you agreed with it or not. That's fine. He got a ton done. He, he actually, like... Healthcare. I mean, that's massive. Yeah. So uh, Trump had the House and Senate for two years, and what did he get done? Shitty tax cuts that any Republican could pass. Like, yeah. any Republican. Like, George Bush passed them in the midst of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Yeah. So, like... And this isn't like a pro-Obama crowd knocking on and uh, on Trump because they're anti-Trump. No. It's like, take the people out of it. There's a president who gets legislation through that requires bipartisan uh, buy-in. Yeah. And then you have a president who's trying to get legislation through that only requires partisan buy-in. And it's the party that runs and has the majority over everything. Yeah. And he can't get anything done. Yeah. Which is really frustrating. Um, So Corker's calling Trump out as he should. Yeah, for just being entirely inept. But more importantly, being dangerous. Yeah. And... I guess this is a perfect segue, which makes it an unperfect segue by saying that. <laughs> it's okay. An imperfect segue. We do not abide by the rules of traditional media. We'll, yeah. we'll announce our so, segues every So the biggest time. problem that Bob Corker has is Trump in the realm of foreign policy, as everyone should. Like, uh, Trump's a nightmare, um, as usual. The, I'm, I'm done hearing this crazy man theory. Yeah. Uh, I know that there was an article in... Politico? Yeah, Politico that said, well, Trump is actually just telling his advisors and negotiators, he calls them negotiators, they're diplomats, um, <laughs> to, to say, oh, oh, well, I won't wait 30 days for this. I'm going to do it now. I could, I could start a war now. Yeah. That's, fine if you're, that's fine if you're negotiating with a bank that, like, <laughs> hey, my client's fucking nuts. Right, right. Um, so can we settle this now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it doesn't, or a divorce. More importantly, with a divorce. Like, oh, my client's just absolutely gnawing at my leg to get this dealt with. Please save me. Right. Um, it does not work in, in international affairs. No. Now when so, you're dealing with other sovereign uh, nations. He's, he's watched too much, like, Dirty Harry, I think. Like, good cop, bad cop kind of stuff. Don't even give him that much credit. Yeah. He's a buffoon stumbling through a presidency that ultimately he never wanted anyway. So yeah, like Bob Corker says that this man could be responsible for the Third World War. Of course. Yeah, and he could be because we're pulling out of, or it seems like we're pulling out of an agreement that's not just between the United States and Iran. If I have to hear right, one more right. 21-year-old Republican say, oh, well, the, this deal wasn't a... It wasn't a... F- this isn't it a wasn't a deal. <laughs> it was a multilateral agreement between the P5... The United States and Iran. All right, explain we, P5. Who's in the P5? Okay, that's essentially all of the big European countries. Yeah, to, to make it simple. France, the UK, uh, Germany, uh, Spain? 
this in the P5? No, Spain's not in the P5. Spain is in the P5. Never mind. <laughs> you know more than I do, but your point is. Yeah, and it. We don't speak. We don't get to decide for all of them. For these people, we're the P5 plus one, and the plus one leaves. So it's like their date is being rowdy, <laughs> and their plus one is leaving the party. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like. The, the issue here about with the Iran agreement and just the fact that it's multilateral is that, like, let's say, let's say that, um, let's say that the United States does pull out, right? Right. Um, it doesn't matter because the agreement between China, Iran, the UK, Iran, France, Iran, Russia, Iran. Yeah. Still stands. Spain's not in the P five. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's okay. I, it, it was that Spain was on the Security Council like four years ago. That's okay. why um, <laughs> we're allowed to be imperfect. That's my okay. my my uh, my policy babble. So we we may back out. We may say we're not going to uh, abide by our honor. This those other countries, they don't have to follow suit. Yeah, we're once again doing something that isolates us from the rest of the world community, and not just the world community, our most important allies. Yeah, no, they. These are the permanent members of the national uh, of, of the Security Council of the UN. Yeah. So this is an embarrassment diplomatically across the board. Yeah. Um, and it puts us one step closer to war with Iran, and, and nobody's worried about that. Well, and it's a one-man initiative. Even Tillerson, shortly thereafter, right, is on record as saying it would probably be good for us to stay in this deal. Yeah. This isn't. The result to of which three Trump months of analysis. by saying, hey, maybe we should both take IQ tests. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, much smarter than you. Great yeah. intelligence. With, with his tweet. Uh, I'm, side I'm note, for... IQ tests are designed to detect stupidity. Yeah. Not intelligence. But back to Tillerson and Trump and the Iran deal. So consequentially, what would this change about... The incentives that were slated to be sent to Iran in exchange for them to reduce their nuclear program. Is it just one fifth of what was going to go to them is going to go away? So they may still be incentivized to follow the rules. Does it break everything up? Like, what are the odds that this just destroys the deal, even though there's still four other allies? Yeah, I mean, if I can remember who, I mean, well, five other allies involved because five other, thank you. There's one non permanent member, the plus one. I was, uh, I was thinking. Maybe this agreement stands with the P4 plus one there because we would be gone. And then we'd be the plus one. We'd be the bad date. Yeah. Um, but, no. I mean, the the party with the largest amount of sway leaves the agreement. The agreement yeah. still stands, but Iran doesn't have as much of an incentive to, to do this. Um, do we to, know what they've said to date around... How they're going to react to this just proposed petty, change? Petty bullshit. I mean, in the same More way, that the propaganda you, stuff. you'd expect Iran to respond this way. I mean, but the problem is, think about it this way. Let's say we're trying to get North Korea to the table for some sort of actual negotiation, and they see us back out of an agreement that we saw, <laughs> right. an executive agreement that we signed that was a multilateral um, executive agreement, and they see that we say uh, see that we pull out. That tells the uh, diplomatic enclave of North Korea that, hey, like we could agree to this. And then two years later, Trump could have a poop tweet that says, like, no, yeah. we, we no longer uh, stand by this thing that we essentially ratified. I mean, yeah, yeah there it, are no guarantees. It, but 
Okay, so and that's the problem too. Is like Corker is speaking out of two sides of his mouth because in one in one end he's saying Trump could start World War Three, and in another he's actually against the Iran nuclear deal. Yeah, I want to dig into that a little more though. Trump postures all the time. Trump is saying he's going to pull us out of this. Is that all it takes? Does it just have to be that Trump decides we're no longer in? Yeah. And that's it? Okay. Because mm-hmm. it's an executive agreement. We could have never again gotten this sort of a thing through okay. Congress. Because guess who was president? Barack Obama. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you, and if Barack Obama's president, Republicans won't do anything. Even if it's the resolution is save the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always pushed back against that because for the last three decades, it doesn't matter. Like... Every president's gotten pushback from the other yeah, party. Yeah, but not on foreign policy initiatives like this, like promoting peace and nuclear non uh, Yeah, that's a good point. So, it's gotten progressively worse and worse. Yeah, so, I mean, this was absurd to see the opposition to this. I mean, this is preventing an Iran war. Right. I mean, the Iran war would be a bloody disaster. Well, I mean, remember there are people that want the Iran war. I mean, yeah. there are plenty of people whose position is, you know, turn Tehran into glass, you know, drop a nuke. Um, and that's a small segment of the, the crazy right. But um, I'm sure more toward is... the middle, there's plenty of people that are okay with the war. Yeah. Incredibly profitable. Um, great way to demonstrate American might, especially in the face of North Korea. Yeah, let's create more terrorism. Yeah. Do it. Right, it's a very leave a, short leave term a power thinking. vacuum in Iran. Let's see how that goes. I mean, it would be, it would be Iraq, but worse. A million I times mean, you, worse. You leave... It's not even... I mean, this is this is an established uh, this is an established governmental system. You just, I mean, Iraq was pretty weak by the time we. we yeah, regime change in Iran is not the same as. So first of all, we put Hussein into power, mm-hmm. so he doesn't get there to eventually be disposed if we don't make it happen. Yeah, that tells you enough about the politics in Iraq compared to Iran. Here we to leave know that a they're massive wildly vacuum. different beasts. They're wildly different. And the thing is like we go into Iran, that could incentivize Turkey to go into Syria. Yeah. Like, oh, it's chaos already. And Turkey's already eyeing Syria saying why why not? Sure. Uh Erdogan would be very it would be really really beneficial for Erdogan to actually have a war to rally his uh his country around yeah. because he needs to consolidate power. So the the whole region would would erupt into chaos. And the thing is, again, don't ignore the Korean Peninsula. We have a disaster brewing there as well. And it's different from what we've seen. But let's actually talk about Trump's job as commander-in-chief. Okay. Um, Because for, what, was it 10 or 12 days, we didn't get a comment from the White House about these servicemen that were killed in Niger? Yes. Um, that's odd, uh, to, to, to have really a sure that's situation a like that where, where it's radio silence from, from the white house for that long. Yeah. Well, um, let's, let's peel back the layers here then and talk specifically about what happened. So that we know so far, cause yeah, not much information is no, out there. No, not a ton. So they were doing a joint operation with the government there. The United States doing yeah, a joint operation with the Niger to, government. To, to take out an or work towards taking out an offshoot of I think it was AQ. Okay. Um and this group of, of I think special operatives were ambushed and and a few of them were killed. Yep. Um and we heard nothing from the White House for days. Which when was this again? It was like twelve days ago. Okay. That they died. Yeah. Um 
The Pentagon put out a statement because they have to. Yeah. Um, and then the White House didn't. Yeah. Which was weird. And this isn't the first special forces operation of Trump's presidency that's failed. Where it's gone bust, yeah. The first, what was it, the first month? The first two months? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. was the first one? I forget. Yemen? I think, okay, yeah. I think that's Yemen, right. Yemen, where the, 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 the soldier was, was killed. And he ended up giving a speech and mentioning it and having the, the, the widow in the crowd there. Remember when that, that was That's when right. people said, oh, he's become president now. Now that somebody's died underneath his... Uh, yeah, it's sad. Ugh. But... Uh, All right, so back back to Niger. So so he they don't put out a, a statement. Um, then two days ago, this is when Trump is out with McConnell. Trump says, oh, well, I was on the phone with all of them. And in fact, I'm one of the only presidents to have what? ever reached out to military widows. Abraham Lincoln is turning over in his grave right now. A man who hand wrote letters right. to to families of Union soldiers uh, who died. I mean, yeah. it's it it's it's insulting. I, it was beyond insane. But it it gets so much worse. So he says, "Oh, Obama never did that." Great. Right. I mean, that's despicable. I mean, that's beyond despicable. But then, what came out was that. Um, Trump told one of the widows that, um, I, I guess it hurt, but this is what he signed up for. Right. I mean, what an absurd yeah. comment to make. Regardless of, of, I mean, it. and then... That's something that is said by a person who has no capacity to empathize with another. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> subpoint C... Trump promised twenty five grand to somebody. He makes these sort of promises all the time, sure. so that he'd give twenty five grand to to the family. And uh, no, he just because money he, takes he, care of everything. He didn't do it. Yeah. He didn't do it. And uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, "Well, the checks in the mail." Yeah, that's what you say to your landlord when you gambled all your cash away. Yeah, yeah. And for those that are listening like, and may I, not hold on, so that may not know the facts around this, and may make some assumptions that. There's truth to what Trump is saying. Every claim he has made that we just talked about is false. Provably, demonstrably false. He's not the only president to call widows. He's, you know, President Obama called plenty of widows who died. George Bush. Yeah, I mean, what he says is always and generally safe to be assumed a lie designed to serve his ego in the moment. Don't forget that about this president. Because... All we have to look at, it, I mean, it's 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 plain disgusting, the fact that I can go pull photos of Obama and, and Hillary Clinton at the return of at the, the coffins for the American soldiers who died. Like, they were there. I can pull photos for Bush. I can pull photos for Hillary all Clinton, prior presidents. Hillary Clinton was there routinely. The only photo I can pull for Trump when the bodies came home that died under his watch that he sent to die is one of him at a golf course. Yeah. He was golfing. Yeah. The son of a bitch was golfing. I mean, it's just in one moment he wants to prop himself up as a great American as the patriotic arbiter, president. As the arbiter of honor. Yeah. On the U.S. military. But he right. can't even be there when the bodies come home. Yeah. I, and, and let's remember he spent two weeks harking on african-american athletes for kneeling in front of the flag and saying that that was doing a disservice 
to the people who served. And this man is the commander-in-chief, the man who... The buck stops there. It's his authorization yeah. that, that these things... Uh, it's under his authorization that these things take place. And he can't even release a statement. Right. Like, not, not even a statement. Yeah. So... And then to make it a political thing uh, that, that, that is so yeah. untrue, it, it's, it's getting to the point where now if you stand behind this person, uh, you have to question whether or not this individual is truly um, incentivized by a love of country or incentivized by this odd ideology that this man sometimes presents. Yeah, no person who claimed that vote that they that, that Trump had their support because he was a man who respected the country and the military. Those people have to pull that argument off the table now. Yeah. It's done. There is no evidence now to support that. There's all the evidence to show that he will appreciate the military insofar as he can use it as a political or personal tool to serve himself. And the thing is, that's a more broad issue in our politics. And a critique I can make towards towards the Trump presidency is that this is only going to further embed that, or in fact, it's going to backfire. And, and discussion about veterans affairs is going to be criticized as just political flack. As, as just political embellishment and flowery uh, rhetoric. Yeah. Um, because these issues matter, but he's cheapened them. It's so much worse than cheapened them. I mean, he's, he, he's disgraced them. He, he, this, uh, this might be the worst thing he's done. Uh, it, There's, it's hard to... I mean, because remember, this is also a man that's been accused by over a dozen women of sexual assault. And I mean, the, oh, it's well over. Yeah, the last count was seventeen. Yeah, that I saw. So, but on that point, Will, when was the last time you were accused of sexual assault? I gotta say, uh, man. I mean, I I can't I can't think of a time I was accused it of sexual. Might assault. be the same as me. Yeah. Haven't been accused of sexual assault. Not yet. I mean, I I don't know. I'm 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 a, I'm a philanderer. That people, I mean, once is too many times. Seventeen times. That people can still talk themselves into believing and the pretending. Second, the second someone is accused of sexual assault is the second you need to stop supporting them. That is the... I, I know that this is totally like we've just veered off topic 110%. Yeah. But it's hard to say what's the worst thing that, that Donald Trump has done uh, because there are actual like crimes that yeah. this man has allegedly committed. I'm, I'm going to agree with you that in the position of Physical, president... violent crimes. Yeah, as commander-in-chief... This is absolutely the worst thing he has done. Yeah. Um, as a human being, I Probably think there's actually worse things he's done, which is really fucking sad to say about any person, much less the president of your, like the leader of and the free world. Particularly with, with my generation, it's hard to understand why people voted for this guy. Because uh, at least with the political, both on, both on the left and right, we're relatively outspoken about issues of, of sexual misconduct, of sexual coercion. Yeah. Um, and that, that was the issue with Harvey Weinstein. Um, and 
to see people, especially men, uh, describe themselves as vanguard vanguards for for the feminist cause, yeah. but turn around and support a serial sexual a man who admitted to to committing these acts. Oh, who not just admitted when put under pressure, goes out of his way to brag about. Yeah. And has no shame to be put on video now for decades being a sexist man. Yeah. Like there's so much video evidence, whether it's at some of the conference he's spoken at or <laughs> book signings. The, he has no shame and no desire to hide any of this at all. It's a point of personal yeah, pride and, for him. And particularly, I want to make this point, shame on Republicans who, whenever a woman is put in a position, decide to say, oh, well, this is proof that Republicans don't hate women because women exist within the Republican Party. That is such a cheap... It's a pretty damn low bar. ...rebuttal to say, oh, well, women are in our party and they serve the country yeah. with that letter next to their name. So yeah. clearly we don't have an issue with misogyny. Yeah. I'm not racist. I know black people. I have black friends. <laughs> the United States doesn't have an issue with racism. Black people exist. Yeah. Like... Uh, They're not slaves anymore. They can get jobs. Yeah. It's... We don't have an issue with... We don't have an issue with Islamophobia or just broader xenophobia because these people are around. Yeah. Like... Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's not been a positive week. No, it's not. And the thing is, like, nothing happened, but these problems still persist. And we shouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, this was months leading up to the election, and I'm the surprised night of the election, this is and after the election. the only thing I'm reading about. Why is this not the only thing I see on my newsfeed? Why are we talking about other things in Washington? Why the fuck does tax reform supersede the comments that the commander-in-chief made about men who died serving this country. Uh, about why do the lies that this man told a widow, someone whose life is going to be changed forever because of the service that their spouse, because of the service of their spouse, why is tax reform more important? Why is the pissing match between Bob Corker and the president more important? The, the dialogue about this president has to be normalized. We have to talk about how... We have to be objective when discussing what the commander-in-chief does as the commander-in-chief. Yeah, I agree and would echo and reiterate every single word you've said and, and every uh, spirit of the message behind everything you've said. I, I don't mean, know if we had someone from media here if they would have an answer to that question. I'm sure they would start with it's complicated. But but specifically but, from this the this era of media, the, the 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 media establishment that likes to focus on the shiniest stories that sometimes have no substance. This is a shiny uh, shiny story that has nothing to do with policy crafting. That has nothing to do with um, <laughs> U.S. diplomacy or engagement abroad or. The UN. This has only to do with the character of the individual in the White House, yet the media isn't really talking about it. Yeah. I don't have an answer. I, I'm sure I'm sure the Hannity's and the Fox News have chalked it up to a mixture of he's trying his best, doesn't know how to do it, never been a military leader before it. So I'm sure I'm sure they are readily offering and making a ton of excuses for it. 
I'm sure they're framing it not focusing on the bits where he's failed. They're trying to frame it in a way to prop him up and support this idea that serves them and their market and their yeah. their corporate motivations. Yeah, no, now I'm portray done, him now, as a commander now in chief. I'm done with the Colin Kaepernick thing. If I if I have to hear one more a, an entitled athlete is doing something that's disgracing uh, our servicemen. An entitled 72-year-old that just ambled into the White House yeah. and is serving at the highest capacity in the U.S. military has disgraced the very institution. Yeah. Directly. Yeah. That's our president. The, I mean, these are gold star families. The, these are supposed to be the core of our U.S. military. It's not... It's not support troops. It's not the infantrymen. It's not any of the branches. It's the individuals who lose family members mm-hmm. to to our goals and 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 our interests abroad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's just we we need to talk about. Uh, we have to bring this back to a domestic discussion, obviously. But to to just say that. This is politics as usual, and this is just Trump being Trump. It, it, I'm getting a little tired of, of that, that. only works when you agree that the standard should be so low that we can excuse this as that. Yeah. I think the standard for what we expect from the president should not have been lowered. If anything, it should successively raise over presidencies, over terms. But I agree with you. The, the pass he gets from... Okay, Breitbart gives him a pass. Fox News gives him a pass. But we give him a pass. We roll our eyes. That's giving him a pass. I mean, you're not giving him a pass. I don't give him a pass. No, and, and I think I'm pretty jaded. Like, there are a lot of comments that, that the president makes that I find absolutely disgusting. But I shrug my shoulders and I say, well, that's it. But this was different. This was very different. Yeah. Okay, Steve Bannon? <laughs> no, I mean, so this is not the type of topic that we can jump into express our opinions about, explore a bit, peel back a couple of layers, and then move on to the next because it's so more substantive. It goes so far beyond just a man being a buffoon. It's just how does one have the... Do you have to... Does does someone have to hate a political party so much that they are willing to stand by a man like this? Does someone have to hate the transgender student in their class? The, the person on Twitter that bothers them? The... The snowflake liberal so much. Do you have to have built up such an animosity towards them that you can support someone who has defied what you have defined as your core values? I I don't know how many are left that would still stand by him specifically on this issue. I don't know how long that line is of people that would step forward and say, yeah, but. I think there's a, an enormous group of people that are, are pretty, at the least frustrated by this and most likely disgusted by it i hope so yeah and i you know what i actually don't think the democratic party's response and most importantly people who worked for president obama i don't think their response was sufficient everybody thought there was a uh obama staffer that responded by saying that's a fucking lie this man is a deranged animal but he was respond this this staffer she was responding to the comment that Trump made about Obama and as much as that's despicable that's just partisan politics bring it back to the comment he made about this individual it's not about Obama 
This is not about Obama. It's not about his legacy. It's it's not even about the presidency. It is about this gold star family. And I don't think we're parametricizing it in the way that we should. We are focusing on a comment that he made about a past president. But that's par for the course with Trump. What's unique about this is that he is disrespecting the, the very people that he claimed to be the voice for. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I can't, I, I can't say anything other than I agree with you. Because I don't think there's and much I know more this sounds like to an... be said. I mean, this should be separated and distinguished from all the other things that he has let down the public on. If Trump had been spawned by God in that moment, like Trump has no face. He is just a blank slate. He is, he is a, a, just a, a, a block, an entity, and came down and said what he said. Trump never existed. This is just a president, a person in a suit. If they said that, it would be deemed the one of the worst things a president has ever done while sitting in the office. But because this man has such a reputation and because he causes such a great divide, there are I think there are people that would stand by this man regardless of what he says because well, yeah. of the animosity they have toward not towards Trump's opponents, but towards the people who don't like him. I think this proves the divide between the American populace. I don't think it's Trump sure. and his supporters versus everybody else. I think it's people who dislike, the kind of people who dislike Trump and the kind of people who like him. And I think that Trump has exposed that rift, uh, rift and I do not think it's going to get better. I think we are, a, we are on a slippery slope to such a political system uh, to, to such partisanship that we are going to see essentially a society where swaths of the American population cannot identify with each other. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I probably take a more optimistic route. I do think that one of the most important consequences of Trump as president is that the Republican Party is being split and has to stand on one of two sides of a line. And I think the side for Trump, as weeks go by, has fewer and fewer and fewer people standing on it. That doesn't mean there aren't people there. There are people there, and that divide exists. But I think the majority stands on the side against Trump. And I don't know, and this is, again, just plain optimist, I don't know if there'll be enough people left on the Trump side of that line that when we get through the first or second term of Trump, when we move forward and say, what is this political system going to look like in our country? I don't know if there'll be enough people left there to really change things the thing is the bar is so low now with trump i actually don't know what he can do. but it's with trump i think i don't think we've yet reached a point where this is a statement about american politics i think this is still a statement about a person and a party i don't know that the but institutions party, of democracy but it's a party in this country, that's willing to stand by him but that but that's my point that group of people in the party that's willing to stand by him i think continues to shrink but it's still Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. There will be a breaking point there. And it should have been now. I'm a million times on board with you on that. And I think that this has consequences that are not yet realized. But the thing is, I'm not even seeing headlines about this. I, like, I, will uh, slide, I mean, I saw it. I will slide I'm with to the you. It didn't last a day or two. But I mean, it was definitely talked about. It was definitely a point of conversation in, in, in media. But... It, you're right. It didn't last more than a day or two. Oh, there we go. Here we go. One hour ago, CNN's talking about it. 
Huffington Post is not talking about it. SF Gate is not talking about it. Okay, the Washington Post is talking about it, the $25,000. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to go away. It will, in the sense that there's going to be new news that comes out, but I, it's going to replace it in the broader conversation nationally. But I do think more is going to happen because of this. It's going to cause the issue to resurface, and, and we won't lose the conversation entirely. Because we cannot. I mean, this is unique. He will continue to be himself. He will continue to disrespect the office of the president, to disrespect and shirk the responsibilities of being commander in chief. I mean, this wasn't one slip up. This is the core of who he is as a human being. I mean, this can almost be deemed a dereliction of duty as the commander in chief. The challenge for the country and for voters is to learn to distinguish what really is my party versus their party from what is this person doing as a human being as an individual as a person yeah yeah because you can't there are some things that trump is doing that you cannot just put onto the side of well that's just republicans versus democrats yeah and we have fucking three years through three plus years to go to find out yeah um i think our outrage though i think my parents outrage i think people i know who voted for trump and are disgusted i think there's a lot of evidence there that is is evidence that we can use to be hopeful it's a trying fucking time, but it's forcing us to really figure out where we stand, where our principles are. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be harder and harder, mm-hmm. I think, to get behind, I support that man. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, we, it, part, of, part of what sucks about this is we actually have to root for these kinds of missteps. Root's okay, though. I, I, I mean... Anything that brings us to the table to have to re- force you know, us to reevaluate I, our principles. I had, I have a professor that says, and we're all rooting for the president because when he does well, the who the does well. fuck said that? I'll, I'll just, we're all rooting for the president to do well because when he does well, the country does well. Oh, I, moron! I actually don't know if Trump doing well translates to to uh, upward. I get it. His point is, we should all hope that our government does well. I get that. Trump is not the U.S. government, though. Excellent point. He, he's a big part of it. I mean, we've seen, we've talked about the power that he is one individual, how much power he holds to be able to reverse yeah. things like the United States commitment to the Iran deal. Yeah, and the ACA and... Okay, so in the, in the vein of answering the question, because I think we want to know whether or not we get to be optimistic or pessimistic about the future, answering the question around how much of this country still supports Trump, we know of one outlet, Breitbart, uh, headed by Bannon now, whose sole mission is to continue supporting him as an individual in the public eye. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to paint a picture wherein this is a man struggling to achieve the vision of the American people because he's battling against establishment politics, establishment Republicans yeah. in D.C. Yeah. What's, the, what's the current... I don't know, update or state of affairs when it comes to Breitbart pushing that agenda to try and force a larger divide between the Republican Party and Trump. Bannon says that every single U.S. senator that's a moderate, except for Ted Cruz, who's not a fucking moderate, but um, is going to be primaried uh, with a ton of money. I don't know where Bannon gets his money. I... I know that the Mercers are behind Bannon. Yeah, they, they move their money. They're not rich enough to buy the U.S. Senate. Um, so, How many seats do they need, though? 
they're not rich enough to pay for maybe more than four campaigns, I would say. Because the ideal scenario would be a 60-seat majority. Because then you're you're bulletproof. Yeah. But you're not going to get that. So how many? they only need eight. They don't, they don't want to do that, though. Bannon wants to take out Republicans. Bannon's not trying to take out Democrats. Bannon's trying to create a far right-wing party in the United States. Can you and, talk about that more? Because I, I think yeah. a lot of people don't really understand Bannon's vision for this country. Bannon's vision is not to create a Republican majority in the U.S. Senate. Bannon's vision for the United States is to infect one party with his political ideology. And I think... It could work. Um, so essentially, Bannon's made a utility call here uh, as to whether or not he, in order to progress his far right wing agenda, because if you look at the kinds of books he recommends to people to read, A Camp of Saints, which is just saying that the brown people are taking over Western Europe, that's essentially the entire thesis of the book. Um, it was described as like disgustingly racist in the 80s, so. If it was disgustingly racist in 1980, it's probably a bit more racist now. Uh, it, it works like currency, uh, inflation. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, Bannon has decided that the best way to, to push his agenda is to not create a third party, because third parties will always die off in the United States. Okay. It's to take over one of the two. Okay. Now, this has happened before, and it's happened for good. Uh, the Democratic Party prior to Teddy Roosevelt was just racist Southerners. Like, they literally only cared about racism. Right. So uh, officials in the Democratic Party said, fuck this, and just took on Teddy Roosevelt's agenda and said, okay, now we're a progressive party. Okay. Um, but this is a little different. Uh, this is a party that leans to the right. And Mrs. Bannon saying, I'm seeing an opening here. If Luther Strange's loss in the primary is an indicator, I think the Republican voting base is ready for Bannonism. Is the primary sentiment he's trying to ride on nationalism? Yeah, it's ethnocentric nationalism. So it's okay. not just... That, that meaning white nationalism. White nationalism. But it's like weak, it's white nationalism, like a small W... Without, so it's like okay. no no Muslims. It's not on the it's not the title of the cereal box. It's yeah, it's not, not it's not like the KKK or Vanguard America. It's, it's Islam free nationalism. Yeah. So it's essentially Islamophobia and xenophobia. So no new immigrants, uh, it's like a no nothing party sort of thing. Except he's advocating for an expansion of the US military, but not a use of the US military. Um, and he's not a Republican because he doesn't believe in what some would describe as crony capitalism. His politics are all over the place. He describes himself as a Leninist, which I think most Republicans probably wouldn't. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand what that would even mean. What that or means. Or it implies. Yeah. Much like misunderstanding of socialism. But in this case, like even fewer people are even aware of the term. Um, so what are the practical consequences of that? Like how, what would he do when it comes to, I don't know, setting policy for the country? That would be Leninist, or that would be reflective of like his a Leninist policy so, principles. Uh, Leninism is essentially just the regressive left. It's the authoritarian left. So when when I hear Steve Bannon say he's a Leninist, I hear I want a central figure of authority. Because the difference between like Lenin and Trotsky was that Trotsky wanted decentralized power, and Lenin wanted centralized power. 
So for for those like me with a public high school education, yeah. like how would that th- those what goals would, be reflected in Bannon's, government? What would change? what would Bannonism look like in, yeah. in the U.S. government? Well, specifically to what you just described, a centralized so, authority. What a ce- changes? A centralized authority. So remember how we always talked about like the the dismantling of the administrative state. He believes that actors within the U.S. federal government impede the ability for an executive office to get legislation done, to get things done, to, to, to create a country that they want to create. So what he wants to do is get rid of the bureaucracy and make the White what House. What does that mean? Get rid of the Department of the Interior and just like... Get rid of everything. Get rid of all civil servants. Make it essentially... So the, government is just whoever was elected to lead. Yes. And they just make decisions. Mm-hmm. That's is there a Congress? Is there a House in, and a in, Senate? You don't know with Bannon. Bannon is weird. Bannon is weird because... He, well, he's definitely... <laughs> that's something we all understand yeah, about Yeah, Bannon it. is very weird. So what he believes is that there's some sort of deep state that is preventing right. that is preventing Trump from getting things done. Well, let's, let's describe the deep state. Deep state means Bannon actually believes... That the hundreds of thousands of employees of the United States federal are government are all against. in on it. Yeah, they are all in on the idea that they're gonna fuck over the American people, mm-hmm. which yeah. is pretty ridiculous. But that's deep, that's what deep state essentially is. Yeah. So you know your guy, your friend that works at like U.S. Customs. He's a member of the deep state. It's coming for you. Your post office. Your 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 postal worker. Don't shake his hand. It could be laced with like ricin or something. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's fucking ludicrous, but, but, um, Bannonism is scary because Bannonism might succeed. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a tantalizing argument for people, for Republicans who lean further to the right on social issues. What has to happen? What has to happen for it to succeed? A terrorist attack. Okay. (laughs) After the terrorist attack, what does he have to? Oh, he would, he would jump on that. But, but from a practical perspective, what actual things does he have to cause to happen to start bringing pick about? Off, pick off uh, moderate Republicans because they're actually what's preventing Trump from doing all of this crazy stuff. Okay. So it's really looking towards he has a goal in And mind. ensure that Trump actually follows through on his, on his uh, more crazy, the crazier elements of his platform. And that is more likely to happen if he can put more people in House yeah, and the Senate and, and align remember, with what he remember, wants. Remember, Trump's favorite outlet is... Well, Breitbart, Breitbart, um, and batshit crazy Twitter accounts run by Russians. But. Yeah. Um, so if if he doesn't agree with what Trump is doing, he will let Trump know. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. On that dark, dark, dark note. Well, we got some time. We got some time. Yeah, a couple minutes. Um, we have a, a ton of funny outtakes in the beginning, about five minutes worth. So. Oh God. We got a little bit of a buffer there. Okay, so I mean, let's not close right there. On Bannon, yeah. because I think we, we've put out a, a general feeling of threat, like he's a, he's a danger. That, but this is something that the the left can rally around. So that would be my question: What can the left do, specific to Bannon and Breitbart and his goals? Because if he really intends to do what he intends to do, this Reje- is like a Reje- hold on, hold on. this is a this is a threat against not just Democrats. I think this is something to be perceived as a threat for all Americans. Anyone who doesn't buy into the deep state stuff. Yeah. This, what needs to happen is there needs to be a rejection of Bannon's ideology that goes beyond just basic morality. Like, yes, racism, bad. 
but there needs to be a more compelling argument against Bannon's uh, central thesis beyond racism bad. That's just not a strong enough argument anymore. Yeah. Which is a shame, but it's not. It, it needs to be on a more on a more. I hate to say this, but practical level. Okay. Um, because Bannon doesn't seem like a scary guy. He doesn't. He's not active in U.S. Go- in the U- in like governmental affairs or political affairs. He's just a fucking editorial writer for a crazy website. Yeah. But the thing is, he's producing results. Okay. He picked off Luther Strange. That's yeah. kind of spooky. So that was a follow-on question for me. How do we know if he's succeeding? Uh, just keep watching these primary candidates that he supports. If they okay. keep winning, then things are getting worse. Okay. All right. Well, I guess fun. we can wrap up here yeah. a minute later. Not that it makes a big difference. Uh, all right. So lots, lots to cover. Lots coming up in the weeks ahead. I think we should kind of commit to keeping an eye Absolutely. on Bannon and where Breitbart's heading and really yeah. talking to substantively what's happening in politics that may indicate that, uh, He's able to, he's experiencing being able to forward those goals and uh, make sure we tell people about it. Yeah. So, all right. We'll do. Good to see you. Sound the alarm. Thanks for uh, everyone who's uh, tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. And I will always do my duty, no matter what the price. I've counted up the cost.